Because it's those places, that kind of subconscious, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep repeating this pattern? There are answers to every single one of those questions I just said, but we have to have a different conversation. And so that's really what this is about, is weaving the science of how we're wired and why we are the way we are into how we really want to be. What if relationships could be easier? What if you knew why your teen, your toddler, or your partner was giving you that face? (laughs) And what if you knew how to respond in a way that didn't suck? What if you could build rather than damage your relationships? Well, this week, we got to talk with a relationship and parenting wizard who has developed a simple system to help us understand ourselves and each other. She explains how, from that foundation of empathy, we can use her basic tools to navigate conflicts, to build the connection we all crave. Plus, she helped Charles figure out how to get the trash to the curb on time. I know, I'm really excited about this. Our guest, Stacia Rivera, is a family systems trauma and addictions therapist with 25 years experience in helping people reach their peaks. Her practice is a unique combination of applied neuroscience, systems thinking, and common sense. She and her team recently recognized that families and young people are experiencing new challenges during this pandemic. They pivoted their whole business model to respond to those needs and are launching a range of accessible and affordable classes and resources right now. Check them out at iugoconnect.org. This episode is for parents and everybody else because it's good common sense advice, but it also makes you feel better about where you are with relating to people. She talks about we're not broken. Right. We just don't understand how we're wired, and that's a big part of it. Stacia is one of our people in, in the way that she combines that intellectual understanding and psychological models and all this awesome nerdy stuff with this big heart and empathy that just mm-hmm. makes it easier to not feel judged and to feel supported. And I, I love that about her for sure. Mm-hmm. We walked away from this episode, walked away. We didn't go anywhere. We, yeah. We turned off the mixer. Yeah. Well, we left the room. <laughs> we left the room and uh, just, you know, slapping virtual high fives to the angels. It's another one of those episodes. And it's another one of those episodes. It's just been such a great part of this podcast. We say it all the time. It's like, you just scratch the surface in Prescott, Arizona, and you find these miraculous people underneath. You know, you, you know, Stacia Rivera is like our own local Brené Brown. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's the best part about running this podcast for sure is. We get yeah. to meet all the best people. Yep. Right here. And hang out with them. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to go to a TED talk. Nope. They're right. You just have to listen to our podcast. Exactly. All right. Tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimal levels. Maybe a little too much, but it's good. Cats are secured. Yep. You know, now that we've moved the podcast studio out of the closed room, are they just going to wander in and out? It's entirely possible. All right. So the cats are not secured then. Well, yeah. All right. Well, that's as secure as they ever get. (laughs) And the microphones are clearly hot. Clearly hot. We are. Go go for for launch. launch. Welcome, everybody, to the Rocket Feather podcast, the podcast for people who are craving richer relationships, fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, and permission to 
create. And this is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberge. And we're here with a local therapist, local uh, performance guru, and a person who's also got a big heart for being in the community and, and doing good. Stacia Rivera, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're via Skype. We're in the, we're in the new contact rules, mm -hmm. no contact sports, no contact podcast. Uh, but we're glad we got some pretty decent audio and we look forward to a great conversation. I do too. Thank yeah. you. So you said you were, you said you were really excited to, to be on this podcast. What, what got you so excited to, to join us? I was just excited about the timing of the messaging that you were trying to bring in, just kind of supporting families and people that are at home, how to maybe get through this a little bit differently. And I just felt really called to that messaging and kind of aligned with our company shifting. And so I just got really excited about the topic. That's great. That's great. So you renamed your company. It's now called IUGO. Mm -hmm. and yeah. It mean, and it means to, to be together, to be, to be yoked up together, right? Yeah. To partner. And, um, we were neuroathletic performance and, um, we've just decided with COVID-19 that we really needed to make a pivot to work with a broader audience and bring the messaging behind the value of the neuroscience of connection and how really that's the key to everything that is to performance that is the key to motivation that is the key to thriving and connections and it's just a missing link out there with the information and i it's something i really want more people to have their hands on i've watched it change a lot of lives and i know i can speak for myself it totally revolutionized my own so it's just a passion i have to bring that message I can, I can hear the passion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm excited too. I'm like, I want to know about this. Yeah. And, and uh, Kelly and I were talking earlier about your bio, you know, you, you played division one volleyball, you've, you've uh, coached teams, you've been a, a, a performance expert and Kelly's like, I love sports for sports. Psychology is, I find it super fascinating. I am not an athlete, but I still, I love it. It's so interesting to me. So we're kind of, we're kind of bummed that that's really not what we get to talk about. But we're but, excited about what we do get to talk about yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll all actually tie together. You know, I, that's kind of where we found that this pivot and this message really, while we're maybe not completely focusing on the performance aspect, it is, um, that's the byproduct of doing these key things in your relationships and in your day-to-day -day experience that really is the catalyst to the performance that you want to have or the connections you want to have or the motivation to keep going, the habit science behind things. So mm. we'll see it come full circle. I'm excited to see. Yeah. <laughs> nice. so, so habit science. Did you say habit science? Yeah, that's a big area that we focus on in, in either program, whether we're working with athletes or just regular folks, because um, I've been working with teens recently, and that's one of the areas that they're really struggling in is how to put together a schedule or how to internally motivate. And it's not about goals and checklists, you know, sometimes it's it's just a different approach. It's really looking at things through the reward system and the way our brain is wired and, and kind of getting out of the judgment cycles and all the rules we have about making change 
and just getting down to kind of the science of how we're wired and removing kind of the emotion and the story we have about not being able to change. So we kind of get down to that nitty gritty pieces <laughs> with people. Yeah. So go ahead. So, so I'm, uh, let's pretend I'm a teenager because essentially we uh, all are. Don't worry. <laughs> so this morning is Friday morning. It's trash day. And I knew like it's my job to take the trash out to the curb. And I panicked when I heard the trash truck this morning and had to like run out and get the trash. I got it out there in time. It's all great. But I don't want to, I don't want to have that panic. I don't want to have to run out the driveway in my slippers. And what's that story? And yeah, the story of always messing up, of always forgetting, blah, 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 blah. So if I, if you were going to coach me in some habit science, because it's not only that, like I want to, I want to like make sure that there's a, you know, a pot of oatmeal made for the week, that there's a frittata made halfway through the week. And my mornings are just like, ah, mm-hmm. Twitter, ah. Mm-hmm. I'm a total teenager uh, with my phone in the morning. So yeah, what would, what, anything you would coach me on for that? Well, first of all, I'm glad you made the trash. You made it today and you got it. You got it there. That's a win. He brought him back <laughs> but, in too. There you go. I mean, double win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I would say two things. When I hear that, what I hear is there's a system that's missing. So figuring out how you prefer to systemize, whether you're a checklist person or a block schedule person or a hybrid of those two things. And so like an example, if you were a checklist and a hype, if you were a hybrid person, you would have it, I need to do the trash on this day, right? And I would block it on that day at the time I want to make sure and do it, whether it was the night before or the morning of. And, mm-hmm. and then most of the time, if we have tasks that we really don't like, we need to establish an, a reward that's on the other side. So mm-hmm. what do you get if you take the trash out and bring it in? You know, and even if it's just I get to have my cup of coffee or I get to have my phone time or whatever that is, that's kind of the science of the way we're wired. If we just try to leave it haphazardly to just kind of I hope I remember, it's not really how our brain is designed. It's like squirrel, 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 you know, and that's why it's like Twitter, 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 (laughs) whatever your squirrel is, it's going to get the best of you. And so it really comes down to the system and it's getting, it's being flexible with who you are. Like these are not meant to be, this is like about having an open playbook. So I have an intention of the way I'd like it to go, but I can adjust. It's not being rigid and fixated. And I think that's what a lot of people think systems are. And they're really not. The habit science shows that the more we kind of decide what we really want to do and the more intentional we are about it, the more our confidence comes up, the more those narratives go away. And the more we really feel like us, the best version of us. So like James Clear says it really well. He says, you know, that habits are about casting votes for who you really want to be on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah, our audience, our audience can't see this, but my head just snapped when you said casting votes. Wow, that 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 had an impact. Yeah. Casting his, his votes. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. So we have a habits course that we are are building, almost done, that'll launch in mid-May for people to start to be able to do this during these COVID times. Like, just get curious about what kind of habits they'd like to build. And and, and it, it, it's really beating out goals. You know, goals are kind of becoming, they're realizing they're kind of not 
not the thing anymore because they're not taking into account the way we're really wired and the dopamine serotonin process and all of the, I could go on the nerdy science, but for the most part, a goal doesn't really take you there because sometimes you have this idea of you, what you want to be, but habits are about incremental change and casting those votes. So you end up becoming that. Right, right, right. Cause if I have to wait, if I have to wait until, uh, uh, my uh, perfection, getting the trash out 30 times in a row or all year long or whatever it is, I never get, I never get the dopamine. So I'm always depleted and pissed off and. Yep. And no reward is there. The reward isn't great enough. And there's this story about I'm forgetful or I'm not good at this or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that's your story, but we all have one like that that comes up around yeah. these things and so habits. Science just takes the guesswork out of it. It's like, I want to cast a vote to have a, a little bit more of an intentional morning. And this is what I'm going to put on my checklist and I'm going to kind of put it wherever I want, or I'm going to stack it into a schedule of 8 a.m. I do this, 9 p.m., you know, whatever you do. And like that second one, I can't do. <laughs> I can't block my time that much. I'm like, ah, don't make me. <laughs> but I with a checklist and intentionally chunking certain areas of time to get what I want done. Right. Right. Yeah. I too am a checklist person. Yeah. And I think, God, I got, I got so many thoughts coming up. Yeah. Um, one is, so one of the most influential books in my life as an educator and, and as somebody working with teens was a book called Punished by Rewards by Alfie Cohn. And he presented all of this information that on the surface looks like it disagrees with what you're saying, but I think, I think I get where you guys might be in alignment because what he found, all the research that he pulled in, maybe he cherry picked it. I don't know. Was that when we give kids a reward or adults, a reward for doing something, their intrinsic motivation to do that thing is reduced. And all that's left is the motivation for the the piece of candy the 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 pizza party that you get if everybody stays in their seat in school for you know mm -hmm. whatever amount of time or um and so that the that the the pleasure in the doing and the intrinsic motivation are short circuited and are just hopped over to the candy but i'm what i'm hearing from your system is that it's the rewards are about being getting to be the person that i want to be and you're the one giving yourself the rewards. It's not someone else giving you a reward to be what they want you to be. That's to exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah. It's like social rewards, right? Or or even like social meaning parent to child mm -hmm. reward or pizza party. You know, those are, the, I completely agree. Like we blue ribboned a, a, a whole generation and, and kind of failed them in a way, you know, because they don't, it's like there's that expectation of, well, where's my where's my blue ribbon? You know, this is about your own internal votes. This is more about a dialogue you have with yourself and getting over those little barriers where you're stuck. You know, there's always an edge of something we just simply don't want to do. It, we all have that. Whether you're nine or 99, you have those periods or those things. But this is just about incentivizing like, hey, if, if I grit through this and I do what I really have to do, I'm going to enjoy something else on the other side of this. And it's not every single activity, <laughs> you know, but it's the harder ones, the ones that you really 
can't seem to pin down the ones that really need your vote. Like I really want to be this person, you know? So like I really decided about six months ago, I wanted to cast a vote on a consistent basis to be healthier in my body. And so I started to cast daily votes and there is days that I do not want to go and do my workout period. I just don't. So I got a motivator. I knew I needed a workout buddy and I knew that I wanted to just keep my streak going. And so there are days that I literally am in the middle of my workout and I'm saying, you're casting a vote. You're casting your vote. Good job. (laughs) Just keep going, you know? And so it's really been about that. And I have, I built a streak of going more often than not going. But if I would have had this rigid, like blocked schedule, checklist, workout, with every single thing I had to do and all these things, I wouldn't have remained motivated. I wouldn't have remained bought in because that's either success or failure. There's nothing between. Science is about teachable or keep going. <laughs> what do I need to learn? What do I, what, what, how do I keep the streak going? If I don't, I quit streaking, what has to happen to get me back into my streak? Yeah, that's great. Well, I think I've got everything I need out of this yeah. podcast. So thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to be sitting on. I'm going to work. Be your accountability person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That Account- would be amazing. Accountability, so great. Because I can't do it. I tell him I'm his cheerleader. I'm not his coach. Yeah. Right. So, what are you noticing that made you and your team make that pivot away from working primarily with athletes and coaches towards working more with families and teenagers? Like, what were you noticing? What were you seeing? I was already seeing the and doing a lot of research on Gen Z and um, some of the needs that they had. So it was a focus of our of our previous kind of mission. But I have a teenager myself and I talk to people about their experiences with their teens. I was working with young adults, which I wouldn't they're probably like right hovering in that, you know, Latin teen stage to early adulthood. and just started really hearing their pain points of what was really going on and and what what it's like for them right now and just really relating to man can you imagine going and having this everyday experience for your whole life and then it's just done and and they already are experiencing struggles around connection and you know they'll share that with you and and so this was just like it's even more now. They're even more disconnected from maybe some of their only connections. So I just felt like it was so important to start to teach them or speak to them about, you know, what what is connection? How do we learn these skills? And hopefully come back post-COVID-19, like super empowered. That's my goal. Because they're going from, they're the highest reporting generation of anxiety, highest level of reported anxiety out of any generation. But all we've kind of done is swap their anxiety and then they're going to have to go back. And so I just feel so called to help them understand how to identify emotion, how to identify narratives, how to identify the the connection skills. We call them buckets, you know, the different relationship focuses, the different skills you need in each of those relationship focuses. You know, how I'm in relationship to myself requires totally different skills than how I'm in relationship to my spouse or my family or my children. And we kind of try to think about as like a one size fits all and it's just not. (laughs) And um, 
a big piece that's missing is the neuroscience, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, so that's so that's great. So one of the things we we were really curious about is you've got this like this passion for neuroscience, which as we were saying before we started the pod, that it's really it's really cellular, it's really organic, it's uh, in some ways it's. Uh, you know, kind of the, you know, the neurons are switched on or they're switched off. There's this reward system and all this stuff. And then you also have this passion around family systems and, and trauma, which are bigger, more complex systems. And so most of the people I know who are really into neuroscience are like taking bird brains apart in the lab and like looking at stained cells and all this stuff. And they're not necessarily they're fine with that. They're not necessarily looking at the bigger picture. So I'm curious how you're combining mm, those yeah. two knowledge on those two scales. Yeah. The So I was introduced to neuroscience through my trauma background and I, I I'm certified as a somatic experiencing practitioner. And that is what brought me to this whole body of knowledge. And so I really want to pay homage to those teachers, you know, Peter Levine and some of those folks that are really bringing the understanding of the nervous system and the brain development pieces. And there's a lot of shepherds. I mean, the attachment theory folks, you know, have, have kind of joined with the polyvagal theory folks and, and not, you don't have to know all of that. That's why I'm here. Or mm-hmm. people like me are here to help just really, just really bring it down to the human. How do I understand this and apply it in my life? And so the neuroscience pieces are really the part that a lot of people don't know is that by the age of about seven, your your predisposition for connection has been hard stamped. You know, your way of your narratives, the story that you say, the, the whether you please, perfect, control, isolate, you know, all of those behaviors have kind of already been wired in. And so that's really our call here at Iugo and and my passion is to bring that wiring to the conscious level and help people understand how to bend it back into a flow state that works in connection. Because it's those places that kind of subconscious, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep repeating this pattern? There are answers to every single one of those questions I just said, but we have to have a different conversation. And so that's really what this is about, is weaving the science of how we're wired and why we are the way we are into how we really want to be and kind of bending and shaping and cutting wires that we just don't want to have be there anymore, you know, and and, and there's a way to do that. And um, that's that's what we do. Gosh, that sounds really hopeful and exciting. It is. And I've done it with teens and family systems and addictions work. I I ran family workshops and just taught them this. And really what it is, is it's a breeding ground for empathy. It just getting on the same page and just stop judging the behavior and the actions and start to understand why we're doing what we're doing. It just opens up the permission to just kind of stop the judgment and stop all the things trying to avoid, but our behaviors are making them happen. All those are the paradoxes, you know, it's like we want more connection, but we act in ways that don't bring connection. And we just spin on that for, for mm-hmm. a long time. <laughs> totally. and, then, and then the story gets established that I don't get to have connection. Right. Exactly. It's, it becomes the paradox becomes the, the norm and then the identity, you know, 
Yeah. So we have like nine principles of how to break that up and start talking about those different pieces and those different connection buckets so that people start to see like, you know, how do you keep your identity with your family? How do you keep your identity with yourself? How do you keep your identity with your girlfriend or boyfriend or your wife or husband? And, you know, and, and so those, those things are, are coachable. They're teachable. Once you understand the pieces of how you're wired and you don't have to guess or think you're flawed because you don't get it. And that's the most heartbreaking part about the addiction world and um, the trauma world is that I wrote, ran into so many people that thought something was wrong with them and that they were broken. And it just couldn't have been further from that. You know, they just didn't have an understanding of their behavior. And once we started having that, they could start casting votes for who they really wanted to be. And it just became this pattern that I saw over and over and over again. And to the point that, you know, I just, it's, it's a model, it's a way of teaching and it's just, and it fits with athletics. It fits with teens, you know, just kind of is a way to start to really put these dots together for people so they can thrive. Fantastic. Uh, You said a breeding ground for empathy. And I just want to, want to leave everybody with that Mm -hmm. for eight seconds and, and take a little break and we'll be, Right back with Stasia Rivera from IUGO. And welcome back to the Rocket Feather Podcast. We're here with Stacia Rivera, and we're just, Kelly and I are both just incredibly excited. All of these all of the names that that Stacia's dropping are, are familiar mm-hmm. from from our graduate work and from the you know the theoretical background around all the stuff that I was doing with boys to men and and wilderness therapy and I'm guessing right. a lot of the art therapy stuff. So yeah, and I'm just a psychology geek. Yeah, we're nerding we're nerding out hard. This is a nerd friendly environment, oh, by the very. way, Stacia. I don't know, like Good. nerding nerding out is okay. Um, I love it. Yeah, and we're pretty sure that our audience is a bunch of nerds as well. Yeah. So, Very yeah. stylish and gorgeous nerds. That's right. Huh. I love. You have a different. You have a different image of our audience than I do. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. You know, again, going back to what made you and your team pivot. What pivot toward you know away from athletic performance and and toward that that empathy for kids and families and Gen Z and what they're going going through. What effect do you think the COVID pandemic? And, and the quarantine and everybody being, you know, all the college students being home, all the all the kids being home from school. What what do you imagine that's having? Well, maybe you don't have to imagine. You said you have a teenager. You yeah. might be living it. What kind of what kind of impact is that having on the family systems? Do you do you suppose? I th- I've talked to some families that they're they're thriving. They, 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 they're okay. They're used to being home. They kind of have a more introverted template in the family system. And so they're, they're loving it. There, there really hasn't been a lot of issue, you know, and I think it all kind of comes down to where you really find your connections at. And if you don't really thrive in those deeper, maybe more meaningful connections, or you haven't cultivated those in your family system, then it's going to be really tension filled, you know? And so I think, you know, teenagers, it's appropriate for them to be focused on their social settings and their social relationships and, and where they fill their cup or that bucket is, is through school and, and the friendships that they have or make through those experiences. 
So I think it's just, it's so different for every person, but I think the biggest thing is our norms have shifted. You know, there aren't the same ways to fill your bucket. People are getting creative, you know, and partaking and like Zoom happy hours and, you know, some things like that where they're making the effort to keep those systems going. And I think the people that are doing that are feeling overall a greater sense of well-being because they're not losing the connections they have. That makes sense. Yeah. So Kelly and I are both introverts. We both have rich interior lives. We've both, Kelly's the only child. I'm a selfish bastard. <laughs> um, it seems like, and we have been doing fine and it's just the two of us and two cats. We don't have any kids around, but just in the last couple of days, I, I, I think you might see some of the introverts start to crack Stacia. It's, yeah, we, we, well, it's not even just, I mean, it comes and goes. Yeah. And there are waves of of irritability and frustration. And I I just think the what happens with this whole situation because of the external stress of the big scary pandemic and then the internal stresses of being cooped up together, whatever your issues are, they're gonna come up. Yes, I agree. And it, it is, it's just a matter of how they do and 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 I think really trying to provide it kind of comes back to that that thing do we have a space to be open and talk about it or are we assuming what people are going through and I think that's something that's really easy to do like if I see somebody acting out in anger or frustration but I don't take the time to really talk to them it could really be that they're really feeling a totally different emotion or experience. And I think that's one of the things we've really tried to do is not assume with our kids right now, but just ask. And, you know, I, we had a situation uh, with one of our kids the other day that I just was, I could have assumed that she was trying to be really standoffish and, and, and kind of short and, and trying to kind of skirt some duties. And I could have gotten really frustrated with those actions, but something inside was like, I think there's something else really going on. And, you know, and I, I do speak teenager in a way that I don't, um, I don't assume and I don't put stuff on them. And because we do have a, a kind of a language of neuroscience here, I was able to just say like, Hey, I just noticed that you're, you know, everything feels a little flatter today. Is that what's happening? Like, how's it going? You know, and I know this is hard and and I'm feeling that today. Are you? And then we got into, you know, then there was tears and yes, I'm missing my friends and I'm, I'm really, I don't know if this is going to end and that scares me. And I think that way already for my generation, like, are we going to like, you know, and, and so all of these things, and I could have just assumed she was in a bad mood and didn't want to do the dishes. And that's a real disservice to her and to our relationship, you know? So that's kind of the connection piece that, that I, I've been lucky through my training and I don't always get right by any means. I'm not an angel. There's days where I can't offer that same thing and I have grace for that. Um, but we do try. And, and those moments are when it's like, Oh, that was so much better than, me assuming something about her and getting into an argument with her or, or pushing her or whatever, you know, so it's stuff like that. 
Yeah. yeah, you could have made it up that it was about you, that she was disrespecting you or trying to distance herself from you. And you could have mm-hmm. taken offense and been like, what do you, you know, and your need for connection being, being ignored and blah, 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 blah. And... Yep, all of it. Right. And like, we really do. We just, I think that again, there's that empathy piece when you understand the neuroscience. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm able to see like her face is flatter. There's less color, you know, she's, her vocal tone has changed. That's what I want people to start to understand because those are all tells that she's actually really overwhelmed. And I might assume she's really shut down. But if I push her at that moment, we're going to either get an anger or tear response because she doesn't have any capacity for me to come and put more pressure on her. She needs me to come right next to her and just say, hey, here's how I'm doing. Are you doing? And, and then we get to have this moment together. And, and it's, it's not about our actions. But we so quickly choose to judge people's actions, choose to label them, choose to assume, choose to go into our own narrative like you just did with the examples of, well, she must not really care about me or whatever, right? And it's like, most of the time, it has nothing to do with that. And we were doing the same thing with the athletes. They were making these assumptions that, like, the coach doesn't care about me because he's raising his voice. Well, you know, let's, let's see what's beyond that, you know? And so really helping them be more flexible with how they communicate with each other and aware of things that, that set off the parts of our brain that experience threat. And that all comes through vocal tone, facial gesture, body posture, becoming more aware of those things. is just like, it's just super easy to get more relational, you know, and to, to kind of tone those things down and really hear each other. So are you actually able to train kids and parents to notice those subtleties of, of vocal tone? and? Yeah, yeah. And, and it all kind of starts with just understanding the different parts of the brain. And so we really just break it up into three easy steps, three parts of the brain, three functions, three things you need to really be paying attention to, to understand yourself and the person you're trying to communicate with. Wow, it sounds like you've made it really accessible. That's the goal. And we are constantly kind of, you know, (laughs) struggling over little words or little ways that we can just make it that much easier because you don't need to have spent, you know, tons of time and and finances and, and, and resources to train yourself. Like not everyone wants to do that or needs to do that. You know, we can share collectively, we can use technology to spread these messages and help more people. And so that, and that's why, we know we can reach more people, lower our cost, and help a lot of folks learn this in a very simple way. And we also, I did mention, but we pivoted to be also a hybrid. So we're actually combining a nonprofit and for-profit model because we really want to give these services to the institution levels and to the folks that are serving like the Boys to Men Club or the, you know, the Launchpad and just really share this openly like this isn't a secret and we don't want to keep it that way we want it just you know whoever wants to know we'll talk about it you know so hopefully it'll reach more folks so do you have a do you have an intake for for parents that you want to tell everybody about right now is there a website or a, a way to for parents or families to get started with you yeah, so this pivot has has made us have to rework all of our stuff. So we were actually I'm going to build a landing page tomorrow, but our website is iugoconnect 
com and there will be a ton of free resources there our model will be right there loud and proud so you can start to kind of take this in see where it fits for you um, and then our goal is to have a lot of different offerings at a lot of different price points so that people can self-educate or work with us one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting um, a lot of we're planning on doing webinar seats we're calling them uh, classroom seats. So for an affordable cost, you can come and learn about the three parts of the brain with us for an hour and then go off and apply it. And, you know, so that's the, we're trying to just offer a lot of different things for people so they can consume it as they want to. Fantastic. And this that is, sounds wonderful. Yeah, it does. And it, what you're doing and what I'm, what I'm seeing a lot in this town, and I think it's going on all around the country is what the COVID crisis seems to have done is actually liberated more creativity and more desire to give. You know, we just been we just been giving stuff away. You know, offering offering these free parenting calls that we've been talking about. Uh, Kelly's starting to give away actually just give away some of her art even anonymously, uh, just to, for fun. Just yeah, just for people on the street. And um, uh, Tom Check, our our beloved friend, is giving away a lot of free and really low cost coaching. And yeah, just. The economy has become more the, – the economy at this scale has become more open-handed yeah, and open-hearted, and I'm hearing that from you and your team. Yeah, and we've seen it. I, I have a few friends that do run local nonprofits here, and they both happen to share with me that their giving has increased this month. Of wow. And yeah, I know. It's like, woo. That is and so cool. I, I think the call – is loud and clear for some of us. And I think you're right that the creativity of how we respond and, and how we show compassion is going to just be the catalyst that we need to really, I think, reach more people with it. And I, and I don't think it always has to be cost prohibitive, but right now we're just being respectful that it's not about money. It's about the energy exchange, that that's just as valuable, you know, that we get paid in a lot of different ways in life. And, and sometimes it's about this, the reciprocity of just giving back and really showing up and, and yoking, you know, getting with them, you go with them, you know, and just making it happen. And so we just, myself and my business partner, we, it was like, we couldn't do anything but that. <laughs> it's like, okay, we have to do that. So beautiful. It is really beautiful. And I'm just wondering, am I just getting to hang around people like that? Or is it really just? Is it really just spreading around? I think it really is. Just I think spreading. it's. I, I think it's a culture that's arising through this pressure cooker that we're in. Is you know some 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 pieces of the culture are bubbling up, toxic and weird and awful, and other other parts of the culture are bubbling up with this beautiful generosity, and people figuring out how to connect, even though we can't be together physically. Yeah. Well, let's take another little quick break, even though that was a short segment and just mm -hmm. uh, take a breather, take a breather, take eight or eight or 16 seconds to think about what are you noticing? Speaking to the audience right now, what are you mm -hmm. noticing? What are you noticing? Are you seeing more open handedness? Are you seeing more generosity or are you seeing uh, some of the opposite? I mean, I know we talked a couple of weeks ago about people not meeting our eye necessarily mm. out in public. I'm, I'm seeing more waving going on, I think now. Yeah, and we're we're instigating a certain amount of that. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 People aren't looking, and I'm like, uh, uh. hey. Yeah. 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 We'll be right back with the Rock and Feather podcast. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Rocket Feather Podcast, the podcast for people who see open-handedness and generosity when they look around. And if they don't see it, they make it happen. That's who we are. We've Kelly and I made a pact that we will now shout at people walking down the street. Friendly. Friendly shout. Friendly like shouting. You're, you're no longer allowed to walk down the sidewalk behind our house without greeting us if we're out in the garden. Yeah, that's unacceptable. I, yeah, yeah. So, Stacia, I'm really curious. Um, I've known a lot of people in the therapy professions, and I did therapy training, even though I didn't wind up going into that field. I'm curious what your journey was that brought you to uh, working in, in the therapy world. Yeah. Um, I think with most people, it, it goes back pretty far, you know, and, um, I did have some early onset trauma as a kid and, and definitely that set a trajectory for me. And, um, one of the things that really, I think had an impact was my biological father had substance abuse issues and ended up being homeless for 10 years. Um, I had this really weird polar opposite life that my stepdad was a lawyer and eventually a judge. And my mother was a, the chief nursing officer at our local hospital. And so I had a really interesting kind of double life where I saw a lot of different sides of things. And I was able, because of that, I think, to almost fit in anywhere, but feel connected to nowhere. And I think that um, that kind of started the passion for really building meaningful relationships and really realizing that I kind of had a different pulse for that than some of my peers and, but would find them along the way and had some really amazing mentors. Um, and one of them came and snatched me up right when I was about to head down my own substance abuse path. And, um, he came to me and he said, I was 16. He said, you know, I can tell you're not going to be doing this right. And, uh, so you're going to come into the gym every day with me and you're going to practice. And so he actually donated his time to do that. And, um, because of him, I went on to play in college and, uh, had a full ride scholarship and that would have never happened had he not just kind of grabbed me and said, Hey, let's go do this. Yeah. Huge pivot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, huge. Like I can't even explain because it was like the healthy father figure in a way that I needed, but he was a mentor. He was a friend. He, he taught me so many lessons like that volleyball was an ends to a means. I was going there to get a college degree and don't get it twisted, you know, focus on why you're there. Um, we've stayed in touch this entire time because of him. I, I coached collegiately. I ran the club that he used to run. I came back to Prescott and ran it for 10 years. So it was just this whole evolution. But once I kind of realized I was kind of feeling like I needed something else besides volleyball, I wanted to go back to school. And uh, at the time, online schools were emerging. Hang on, just, just let me, let me, let me, let me, let it land for me just a little bit here. I'm just, to go back to like, so before that fork in your life, you were playing with some behaviors that maybe wouldn't have been good for you. And I'm just kind of curious to to run this idea by you because work because I worked with teens all the time and and a lot of these teens had family, in particular fathers who had made bad choices or who who had been addicted or homeless or in jail or whatever. And we heard so often from these young men that they found themselves doing the same things that their father had done, even though they didn't want to. And I 
I came up with this theory that I applied to boys, but maybe, maybe there's some of it for at least some girls as well. It's like fucking up is a way to honor that fucked up father. And I feel like, I think a lot of us are driven to honor our parents, even when the honoring of them is not healthy. Yeah. It's kind of that wiring I was talking about earlier. You know, if I have that incompleteness and I know kind of what it looks like, then I'm going to kind of keep repeating that. That's what family trauma is, you know, is the repetition of those things. And and we like to think it's addiction, but it's also the sociological piece of the family system of the modeling and what happens in that modeling. And I agree that it's not necessarily a gender thing, because I think stereotypically, if, if you would have watched me, you would probably have said I reacted a lot like a boy. But I'm a girl and I'm proud to be a woman. And, you know, and so it was I think that was actually part of the disconnection that I, I, I experienced around my trauma and around the things that I had gone through was um, that I didn't handle it stereotypically. I wasn't in a corner crying, like, or maybe something that would be assumed would be the level of pain. You know, I was angry. I was upset. I was verbal. I was walled off. I, you know, and I didn't want to talk about it. And I didn't want you to be close to me. And so my true belief is that, you know, connection is the antidote to addiction. And I, I think that that is where the passion for me lives is connection is a learned skill and you need to be able to maintain it and learn it. And if you can't, then you will end up at your default, whether your, your addiction is eating too much chocolate or exercising too much, or, you know, doing a drug or, or take partaking in alcohol. It doesn't Twitter, matter. Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> social media, you know? So I, I think that I just, I'm a byproduct of feeling really connected and really disconnected. And I really, there was no in between for me. And I think that's where the lens started forming. And when I wanted to go back to school, I wanted to be a, a online teacher. That was the wave at the time. And I was, and I, and I ended up like, Oh, well, psychology would be interesting to teach. And then I couldn't find an internship. I'd worked with teens my entire life. I, they, nobody would hire me. I'd never experienced that. And I ended up at a, a treatment center here in town and it was life changing. I, because from there I ended up getting introduced to the trauma field, you know, really being nurtured by another wave of mentors that just were like, this is your skill set. You just don't know it. You need to go to these trainings. You know, you need to be doing this type of work. And so I just was really fortunate to have another wave of people that just helped me kind of heal myself. We were talking about that before happened and you know my husband jokes that we spent the amount of tuition to heal me so I could fix him <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah the, you know it's like and it's just that gift you get you want to give and you want other people to know the value of the connection that you can build and that, that it is a skill and that you know the neuroscience coming together with the art of communication is really the key mm. hmm. and communication is a learned skill I believe that. Yeah. I'll give you a quick example. I have two kids. I can literally say they could be having the exact same problem outside, you know, whatever it is. They're upset about the same thing. I can say the same sentence. If I said it to one child, they would look at me and just give me and just melt and be like, thank you so much, mom. That was so helpful. I could look at the other kid and I will get the laser death glare 
that you have never seen. <laughs> and and so, <laughs> but I've learned their languages because they have two different um, safety styles. I've learned what helps them. And so then when I can help them, we can have better conversations. I don't have to turn into the mom I don't want to be. And I can be the person I really want to be for them. And they can also be the people they want to be. And we don't get into these power struggles as often. Not saying it's a perfect science. No, no science is perfect. But it certainly puts you in the right direction more often. So it sounds like you kind of hang on to your reaction for a minute so that you can set that aside and focus in on them and find out, get curious, find out what's going on with them before you decide how you're going to respond and connect and and also knowing what you know about the both of them and how they're wired you can tailor that attempt to connect yeah and you nailed it so the skill that you just described the pause that's a big pillar in our work it's it's we call it regulation so it's the ability to regulate oneself with their own emotion before reacting to another person and if i can't do that I'm probably going to inflict something that I don't want to do or say into the situation. And so we, we have a funny language in our house and, and many families have coached. It's just like, I need a timeout. I'll be back, you know, and we just communicate like, I'm not ready to talk. I will, you know, and, but I will come back when I'm ready and we'll have a conversation, you know, and that's just very connection focused languaging. It's just, you know, because if I just say I'm not ready to talk and I storm off, then the other person is like, are they ever coming back? Are they still mad? Are they going to repair? What's going on? And we do this kind of stuff all the time. And it really revs up our survival brain. So our survival brain doesn't know whether it's a tiger in the room that's the threat or the fight we just had. And it's that level of intensity. And we don't realize that in young kids, that in teens, that their level of intensity, when they get told they can't have their phone, that is the level of intensity that's like a tiger in the room. You just threatened their safety. That phone is a source of their safety, whether we like it or not. Right, because we grew up without those phones. We know we that you, it's possible to live without them, even though we don't feel that way anymore. So we are literally stripping them of this feeling that they have. And, and that's why we see these really incredible displays of protest and just, you know, angst and tears and all kinds of things, because we're, we're not replacing it with anything either. Right. Mm, like, mm -hmm. But I'm going to be busy on mine or I'm going to go cook dinner and I'm not going to really engage with you because I have my to do list. You know, so we try to have a one for one rule here. Like if we're going to ask our kids to leave the technology, it's like, are we going to hang out with them or what's their plan to hang out with themselves? Mm. Try to help guide that. Great. That's super smart. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that as many parents as possible take advantage of as much of, of your uh, experience and wisdom and, and warmth and empathy. Uh, what was it? A, not a playground for empathy. What did you call it? A breeding ground for empathy. I want a t-shirt that yeah. says that. Um, but I'm kind of curious. One of the things that we've, that I've noticed in all of the work that I've done with teens, and I think Kelly's seen this too, is that when we, provide opportunities for the parents to have some learning or even just some support, not even like trying to ask them to do anything. 
peer support, whatever. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, I and a couple of other guys are offering these free parent calls right now. Parents don't take advantage of it. And I'm curious what, what you're noticing. Are you noticing some of that as well? What is the resistance? Uh, I have some stories that I make up about why, why parents might not want to do that, but I'm kind of curious whether you're seeing that as well or, and if you are, what do you think's behind that? I think when there's a situation where people can't accept help, there's, there's a missing skill, right? So they probably don't look to help when they're struggling with something. They probably do isolate or minimize it and say, it's fine, I'll deal with it later. You know, so then that becomes kind of the default. But I think for me with families and and the work that I did with the addiction family circles and um, different working with mentors, you know, so not just parents, but mentors and coaches and people that are trying to help teens. Um, what I, what my experience has been is when you just give the facts of this is the way they're wired, it takes the emotion and the judgment out. So I become this really, I mean, and I am a neutral person because, and I never pretend like I have this all together because that's not the design either. I'm not supposed to be perfectly attuned to my children 24 seven. Like, let's get that very clear. <laughs> and also not make a flexible nervous system, right? That's not going to make a flexible human. So it's more, can we weather these waves of ups and downs together and not fragment into spikes or depth valleys that are so deep that we can't recover? And that's the problem right now with connection, I feel like, is it's all or nothing. And we don't know how to repair. We don't know how to be vulnerable and say what we really need. And and so we have these caverns, these huge gaps between what can be really simple to repair. If we know the science of it and we know the language and we have a little way to get clear on it with an assignment, then the parent, I what I found is I have had very little protest or pushback because they all they say is god this makes so much sense where is this why haven't i heard this you know when are you writing a book when is coming out you know and it's so in and 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 i mentioned this on break i'm just lucky that i've landed in the right trainings i mean that's really you know and had my own life experiences and it's really this whole melting pot that has brought this kind of way of seeing things and coaching people through these really, really painful times, you know, but on the other side of those times is like what we all desire. If you ask any room, I mean, I worked in an addiction treatment center. I used to run groups with a hundred people in one room. And I, I asked them um, one day and this shocked me. I said, how many of you really, really desire to have a connection like a family or to be a parent? And how, how many people do you think raised their hand? All of them. But, they, but, but yet that's probably the population that has had the most pain in those relationships and the most challenges. But the bottom line is we're all wired for connection. That's what we're here to do. That's all any of us want. And yet we don't, I can't believe that there's not a way to do that. And even some people do it really well. They tell us like these amazing stories and suggestions about shame and, you know, and all these things we should do, but they don't tell us how to have that conversation or how to identify what I'm really feeling or how to identify, wow, I'm really reactive if somebody does this thing in my wiring and I get really upset and then I act out. 
And so unless we can make that wiring conscious, we can't change our behavior. And I feel so bad for people. Right. So that to go back to go back to the beginning, that's that connection between the neuroscience, the cellular stuff, the wiring and the and the, how it how it works in the larger settings. Exactly. Yeah, the system. And when we're unconscious of it, we're just fritzing and yeah the program's just firing and we're not we're not conscious of it we're not able to make choices or we're trying to adopt somebody's suggestions to be our own and it can only last for so long because it's not our our own it's not and so once you what's cool about this is once you know this about yourself then you ingest information totally differently because you start to figure out, like, does that fit for me or not? Or this is the way that I kind of, that that is a tool in my chest this way now. Instead of me thinking it's the ch- the tool I have to adopt or I'm not going to be okay. Does that make sense? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah. It's, I see that a lot. And like I said, I, this has really evolved through my work of my clients and working with families. And so I want to absolutely credit them with watching them journey through the change and just seeing the cycles and the repetitions and what what they really needed versus what they were getting um and just having those opportunities so i you know i I love those folks to death yeah Mm. fantastic and it's it's interesting all all three of us share that bond of having worked with folks in recovery i worked at decision point before you were there so yeah and and I always felt honored. You know, people would, you know, normies, you know, folks folks not in recovery would say, "Oh my God, Charles, that's got to be such hard work working with." And I'm like, I'm just honored. I'm just I'm hanging out with people who are working their ass off, who still want connection, mm-hmm. who's still trying to figure out how to have love, trying to figure out how to, you know, get over the trauma, trying to figure out how to get over the shame. I'm like God, no, I'm I'm inspired. And and I'm I'm guessing you know I'd feel the same way around all your all your parents who are working their butts off to to figure out how what's how am I wired how is my kid wired how can I respond to this kid that's different than that kid yeah, yeah. and at first I don't want to minimize like at first I I kind of say it's like getting a new pair of glasses like if you if you never could see leaves you know and then all of a sudden you get glasses on you your eyes have to work a lot harder with what they're seeing your brain has to kind of reprogram around oh that's what leaves look like and that's what rocks look like and that's what this food looks like because i haven't been able to see it you know so at first that's kind of how it feels you're seeing more you're aware of more you know and and so they're like wow but then eventually it just kind of becomes like your new normal you know you're not you're not having to work as hard you know, because it starts to integrate. But the first, sometimes those first steps can be, you know, kind of like, okay, wow, I had no idea, you know, but most people embrace that. And then, it, and and they see the benefit of it. You know, they see the connections starting to form and kind of, they, they, they like themselves better. They're, you know, they're being the version of who they want on a more regular basis. Oh, I bet they are. And what esteem is is the votes and and the consistency and feeling empowered to be who you actually are. And we can't do that without some of these pillar skills. We just can't, you know, and so I don't judge people that can't. You are Mm. clearly uh, bringing so much empathy and warmth that even though you're probably giving parents a fire hose of information, that combination of, of those new glasses with all that empathy and support and hope for something different and non-judgment. 
I'm sure they're so used to being judged and they judge themselves because every, every terrible parent was a kid at one time who ha- probably had a terrible parent, Yeah, you know, and then they're like, Oh, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about how empathy goes both ways, you know? And so I also talk to the client or the, the team that's like, look, no parent gets up in the morning is like, I'm just going to be a really crappy parent. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be mad I can mess this kid up today. There, everyone's doing the best they can, you know? So this is about accepting that humanity and getting out of that shame and judgment and um, like we're supposed to know how to do this because nobody's taught us how to do it. And I love that people say there's not a manual and I'm like, well, there is, it just hasn't been put all together yet into one text. <laughs> you know, There's a lot of manuals about how to do this, but we just have to get organized and how we share it, you know, so that in, in my opinion, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of cheat codes and that's what we call our, our work. These are cheat codes. <laughs> you know, you can learn a lot from a person if you understand their nervous system. Mm. We so, could we could keep going for oh I know for yeah, days yeah for I got days. I got so many questions and so many ideas I want to bounce off you and and uh, but we got it we got to keep this yeah. a little bit bite sized that is true we we just have to we just have to this has to be the first interview yeah we say that a lot but we mean it yeah um so how can people find out more about what you're doing tell us again. Um, we're building our site and, and so we'll have a landing page by the weekend, but it's I, you go connect.com and there'll be, our model will be right there. The de- those description is kind of some of the things I've been talking about today will be there and the offerings are coming and I am writing a book. I joined a writer's workshop and I am going to have a draft of a book by the end of June. So it's all going to come and, and be a part of all of it. And, uh, but I, I, I've always thought I wanted to write a book, but this is just like, it's time. You have to do it. You know, and luckily I, I found an amazing teacher I have a lot of respect for that's going to shepherd me through the process. So I, it was a big yes. Fantastic. You fantastic. went out and got support. I did. That's part of my connection is learning how to accept help and that I need to ask for help and that I'm a better version of myself when I have support. Great. So this podcast is going to come out on on the Sunday evening. So by the time people hear this podcast, your landing page will be. It'll be up. Yeah. Yep. Yay. So just ending with a couple of, a couple of things that have started to be a tradition here at Rocket Feather just kind of curious as we imagine that the COVID pandemic is an opportunity for reinvention personally, socially, family, familial, familiarly, familially reinvent families. Um, uh, and maybe even economically, as we were talking before, um, what's something that you kind of want to leave behind and what's something that you want to make sure you're still hanging on to on the other end of this and it can be personal. It can be social. It can be whatever, whatever scale you want to talk about it. I I love that question. And I I actually want to adopt it a little bit into my thinking on a more regular basis. Um, I think for me, just in the spirit of this interview, I would really hope that people could leave behind the idea that they have to be alone or they have to feel disconnected or that they have to feel like only they are the one going through that. I think that's such a theme in, in adult and teen lives and kids. Um, 
And I would just hope on the other side that they would realize that there's so much waiting and there's so much that they can go do and that, that, that the world needs of them and that, um, that it's just there. And, and it's really just saying yes and, and believing that it's, it's possible and that they can have what they really want and to just not give up on that. Cause I think these times can make us question or doubt, but I hope we can leave that behind and look forward and see like, where are we really needed and, and how can we really show up? It makes me think about uh, Fred Rogers and how a lot of people said uh, uh, at 9-11, you know, everybody remembering Fred Rogers saying to, to children, look, look at the helpers, see those people rushing in. And I think it's a little bit different this time. It's become the helpers. Mm-hmm. We are the helpers. We're sewing masks. We're giving away things for free. We're reaching out to our community. We're apparently donating more money to nonprofits. So it's look, you know, look at who the helpers are and it's, it's us. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Anything you want to leave uh, or any, any science or experiment or little exercise you want to recommend to our audience and maybe they can pass it on to their parents. Yeah. Or... Serving suggestion. <laughs> serving suggestion. Yeah. Um, I think I would just maybe challenge people to try the one for one rule that I talked about that, you know, if you're going to take something away that you realize brings connection to your, to your child. And of course we have to do that. There's time, you know, it's okay to transition them, but be respectful of the transition, like give them a heads up and, and, and help them know that there's other things that they can connect to. And, and I kind of, we break it up into buckets. So there's like either a you bucket your tribe bucket, your partner bucket, your team bucket, or your mentor bucket. And, and I think that if they can start to see what's missing in those, like, are they getting the mentorship they need? Do they need to maybe take a quick art class on YouTube or, you know, like, are they getting the, the you time that, that sacred time to just settle and be outside and look at the stars or to take, cause I think that's what happens in these situations is we don't take the time for ourselves. And then we start to get really overwhelmed, you know? So are we taking the time to go on a little walk with our partner, even if it's just around the yard? And to have a minute from the kids, if they're old enough, obviously. But, you know, just some of those things. I, I think when people really start to see their lives is that there's so many textures of connection and relationship. It really feels like a place of empowerment instead of a loss. So I would just invite them to start to look at that and look at the one for one. You know, what can we what can we put in place, whether it's my own time? And that's something I'm always working on as a mom, as a, a working mom. And, you know, I, I have lots of roles. and. So I try to really be mindful that I'm not always asking them to leave their comfort and then I'm just going to go return to mine, you know? So we, I try, I, that's a challenge for me, but I, I try to really show up and be mindful of the one for one. Perfect. Beautiful. Anything else? Uh, that's good for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And we can't Look wait forward to more. Yeah. I would love to have you back when you publish your book so we can yes. plug that thing. That's going to be amazing. Be fantastic. And everybody yeah. check out iugoconnect.org. Yes. Dot org. You know what? Thank you for that correction. Because I think I said dot com earlier. So yeah, it's a dot org. iugoconnect.org. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Stasia. And uh, blessings on you and your work and, mm-hmm. and your team. Thanks for being here on the Rocket Feather podcast.
Thank you. You guys are amazing. Thank you for how you serve our community and for just sharing, you know, this these experiences with other people. It's really needed and I deep bow of respect to you guys. Mm. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so fun. So I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Um, like I said in the intro, I, I had not met Stacia and I just really, really connected with what she had to say and with her personal energy. I'm excited for the impact that she's going to have on our community and I hope our world with the work that she is doing and the understanding that she has about how we work it's amazing what what did what did you what did you love i i love nerding out about all the science theory uh, psychology theory and everything because she likes a lot of the same psychology trading card guys that that i do psychology trading i'll trade you yeah. joseph adler for <laughs> yes um, yep <laughs> you know i I really enjoyed the conversation as well. And I feel like we just started to learn kind of mm -hmm. where she's talking about. She's talking about the three different, the B1 brain, the B2 I brain. Know. Like, what is that about? We got to know, know more. more. She's talking about nine steps or tips uh, that we didn't really get into. And, and I'm looking forward to checking them out on her website as soon as that is up. Yeah, because it should be up by the time this drop. Great. Everybody great. should check it out. Definitely going to check it out. But I'm I'm walking away with the vote for your best self mm -hmm. on a daily basis. I love the idea of voting for my best self and something about it kind of like a little bit depersonalizing it while at the same time giving me power, like imagining that my best self is on the ballot and mm. I don't have to beat myself up for not being that best self, but I can just keep in this like humble democratic yeah like simple way just keep checking the box for that best self because i like if i'm not checking the box and this is a lesson for us in democracy right oh if, like, my gosh. if i'm not checking the box for my best self then i am automatically voting for what you don't want for a crappy self yeah right so it's like oh so yeah yeah, yeah. yep i'm gonna print up uh campaign flyers nice. and, and like buttons for myself vote for the best charles love it no i'm not gonna that. But in my but mind, in, mind, in my brain, yes, I'm going to be doing that mind. for sure. Uh, speaking of that, we're really excited to announce a partnership with Prescott Women Magazine and our wonderful friend, Brianna Hinkle, the owner and publisher of that glossy magazine. We're partnering with her as part of their upcoming Prescott Strong issue that's going to highlight the stories of local business owners and community leaders as they pivot and respond to the COVID crisis. And I'm just so inspired and lifted up by how many businesses in Prescott and around the country are pivoting, like Prescott Women Magazine, like Barry Barb delivering food to the hungry, uh, and like Stacia Rivera and her team, just responding to what is and being nimble and caring mm -hmm. and providing so much for free or for low cost. Yeah. And People are stepping up. So inspiring. Go to www.iugoconnect.org and check out all of the goodies that Stacia has uh, for you. Also, our own in-house parenting support network with Charles and, and a couple of other our other brilliant friends. If you are a parent home with, with your family and you're going a little nutso, give them a call and just, just have a chat for a little while. There's no pressure. It's for free. They're not trying to sell you anything. They just want to be there to help you get through this uh, really challenging time. 
Follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1. We are there. We're hanging out. Also, join us in the Rocket Feather Community Lab on Facebook. That's where the juicy stuff is happening. Yep. And we'll be going live, live to that group on a weekly basis with just kind of snippets of these kinds of conversations that are kind of a little bit digestible midway through the week. So if you need a little, need a little inspiration, pick need a little up. reconnect, need yeah. a little pick me up, check us out live on Wednesdays in the Rocket Feather Community Lab. Yay. I can't wait. Okay. It is now safe to unstrap and leave the rocket. Until next time, this is Charles Matthews and Kelly Roberge wishing you a restorative journey into belonging and self-knowledge.